Hello. Good evening. Howdy. Uh, uh, I, don't, I forgot what to say. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of Unofficial Soundtrack Podcast. I'm Austin. I'm Zach. I'm Stez. Well, uh, we got another great episode for you. Um, how you guys been? It's been a little while. It's been a little while. Yeah, yeah. You know, reacclimating into the professional working life of America. <laughs> I know life is uh, life is somewhat back, uh, but I could, I, could, I could stand to see you less, if I'm being honest. <laughs> wow. Right off the bat, guys. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we do we do case, live with each other, so it's a little different. Yeah. In case anyone didn't know, Stez and Austin are brothers uh, <laughs> and who live, live in the together. same household. Yes. Uh, now I'm with you, man. But uh, I totally could see myself less often. <laughs> uh, no, just uh, just kidding. But you know, we we are starting to see semblance of real life back to kind of a weird normal. At least we can go out and eat at a restaurant, kind of outside. Yeah, we did that recently. Yeah, that was great. Went got some drinks and some some drinks and some food. No, some Clint's. expensive drinks. Some warm, <laughs> sorry, some sorry weirdly <laughs> weirdly warm drink uh, drinks. Yeah. yeah, the beer was. But warm. the scenery was very nice. It was um, it, on yeah. a pier in Oakland on, on Lake Merritt. It was very beautiful. Um, but. Uh, yeah. Anyways, it's been a been a rough couple weeks for I'm sure everybody out there, uh, but we got a great episode for you. So last week we talked to or well, last episode we talked about uh, Black Coat's daughter and great movie. Uh, the deal by Sumac. Great album. Sumac. Yeah. Awesome album. Or Sumac. I actually listen Sumac. Yeah, it depends uh, on the, how American you are. As the educated people say, Sumac. Sumac. Uh, we uh, I, that was actually great. I actually listened to, I re-listened to it this week. Wow! Really? Um, because wow. I was listening to this album, I was like, "Oh shit, what did we listen to last time?" I had you a great see, time. See, that yeah. makes me so happy. No testament great. to the podcast. Yeah, or to Zach for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had a great episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that one. And at the end of that, uh, Zach challenged us with a fucking crazy ass album. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm gonna turn it over to him to talk about what he picked. <laughs> I yes, Gorguts, Obscura. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, to translate, that was Obscura by the band uh, Gorguts. 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 Gorguts is a French Canadian death metal band. Started off in, I think they started off in the late '80s, but they reached peak peak popularity in the '90s, as a lot of death metal did. Um, they kind of came a- around at a time when bands like Morbid Angel and Death, the band Death, not just the, uh, the subgenre death metal. But there was a point in time in popular American music where death metal actually had a little bit of a mainstream presence. That's weird to think about. It is. It's very <laughs> weird to think about. But. You know, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s is probably the perfect storm for that happening. True. Mm. Very true. Um, You know, you got peak Bush era, post-Reagan era economics and politics and everything. So there's just a lot of people very, I guess, disheartened. And they just wanted to, you know, hear music about violence and gore and death and, you know, things that will let you escape. 
Peaceful thoughts. Traditional values. as Traditional human values, not just American values. Fair, fair. Yeah, they brought us back to the Old Testament. I like that. Yeah, they said, fuck this New Testament Jesus shit. We got to go back and sing about the plague and shit. Anyway, Gore Guts came out. They put out two albums before they put out Obscura, both of which are a little bit more traditional death metal albums. Mm. So they are more akin to like Cannibal Corpse than Hmm. um, even stuff like you might expect with death metal today. But what's really interesting about this album, Obscura, is they wrote it and basically recorded all of it years before it was released. But because American mainstream music culture changes so quickly, Death metal became not cool and not popular mm. at about like 1993 or so, which was right after their second album came out. Mm. So they completed the creative process for the most part with Obscura in, you know, 93, 94, I think, from what I've read. And they just couldn't get a label to pick it up. And this was, you know, back when you needed a record label to put an album out. It's not right, like today uh, where you can right, just release right. it onto the internet and everybody can listen to it. So this wasn't them like fine tuning a product. Like they had a finished product and they were just trying to find a way to distribute it. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yep. And in the mid 90s, it was a lot more like black metal was becoming a lot bigger and even. Like you would see the roots of new metal, and like right. this is when Rage yeah. Against the Machine was really big. Not that they're new metal or anything. No, no, yeah. Um, but the new genre or the the new styles were all kind of people's tastes were changing. Fair. Okay. And I think for a lot of people, maybe they got through a certain amount of death metal, or just like, okay, I'm done with this. I need to like find something that isn't quite as angry and forlorn. Hmm. But so anyway, Gorguts was kind of sitting on this album, Obscura, for years. And then finally in 1998, it was released on a small label. And it didn't necessarily get a whole lot of recognition or airplay at the time of release. But it has since become one of the most notorious and influential death metal albums probably of all time, which is really interesting. Um, in one part because it is so different from so much death metal that came before it and so much metal that came before it too because it is highly technical, it's very dissonant, mm-hmm. very atonal, and... <laughs> yeah, that's a great word. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. They take a lot of what you would, I guess, call hooks in other songs <laughs> and kind of... Turns them into weird sounds. Mm. Like the thing that you might remember from one of the songs on Obscura is just a very strange guitar lick mm-hmm. that doesn't even sound like notes. Yeah, it's it's just like squeals. And so there's a lot of like pinch harmonics. There's a lot of feedback. The vocals are fucking brutal. Absolutely brutal. Luke LeMay, vocalist, guitar player, he sounds possessed on this album Mm -hmm. for sure Uh like even more so than a lot of death metal singers Mm. which is really interesting he's a lot more like anguished and throaty but also 
he has a lot of control over his voice too. It's it sounds like a character to me, and like you know, you know, and like not to to kind of talk down to it, but like to me, it definitely feels like it's like oh, kind of like King Diamond, you know, in the sense of like sure. he's he's doing a performance, you know. It doesn't feel like he's just like I can, yeah, I can see exactly what you're both saying, um, because when you think of I don't want to say traditional, but when you think of death metal, when you think of vocals in that style it's a lot of letting go and it's a lot of uh you know this is what i want to say this is how i'm saying it from i don't wanna, maybe not a passionate but from a very emotional place right but there's a little bit more control there in the yeah. way he does it in this album yes. and there's more like you were saying stez about i don't know there's a more conscious effort in how things are are being said and right sung, that, exactly that's what i'm trying to, to say. where it gives off this i mean i guess theatrical kind of possessed mm-hmm. yeah tone to it it, it feels intentional creepy it is very intentional it's yeah. weird. it sounds basically like a very tortured person who is letting what's inside of their mind I go yeah, oh, yeah i agree oh yeah and what's really interesting is this album is very avant-garde, but it's also highly, highly orchestrated. Mm. And you can tell that these four guys probably sat down and wrote this music down with great complexity <laughs> and probably just did it over and over and over again until they got it right. And um, it's just very impressive. It's, it's a, I will all admit... It took me years to get mm. like really into this album. I remember the first time I heard this album, a friend of mine showed it to me, and it was after I heard another one of their albums, which mm. was kind of their comeback album in 2013. It was a little wow. different. Wow. Yeah. It's a little more subdued, also very theatrical. It had a theme. It was, it's called Colored Sands. It's about Tibetan Buddhism, actually. But um, Obscura, the first time I heard it, I was like this is fucking difficult. Like (laughs) I don't, this album is an hour long. I don't know how I can get through this entire thing, Mm -hmm. but now I listen to, and it goes by so much quicker and you start to notice actual riffs and motifs Mm. that pop up. Right. And Mm. when you start reading the lyrics too, by the end of it, they're referencing things that have gone on in songs previous to it as well. I noticed that. So before I get to Stefan, why did you pick this album this week? <laughs> I okay. mean, obviously, there's the historical context, right? You're saying it's one of the more, uh, one of the the most prominent death metal albums. So, understood all of that, but why did you pick it? What what drove you to to challenge ourselves with this album? So for one thing. Given the times that we're in right now, I have been trying to, I've been drawn to things that are really complex and aren't just like background music or just kind of minimal because it'll take your mind to places when maybe you, I guess, want to have your mind occupied. So I've been trying to listen to things that you can really sink your teeth into over and over again. And so I just thought about Gore Guts, and also I wanted to pick this album because we're, this is our fifth episode. Mm-hmm. 
we had to have a death metal album at some point. True. <laughs> like, I wasn't just going to let yeah, you off, yeah. Austin, without, like, <laughs> hearing some really intense, heavy shit. For sure. Like, we can't <laughs> expect to have a podcast that has anything to do with metal if we don't listen to some really repugnant shit yeah. at some point. Yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to expose both of y'all to this. Yeah, no, I appreciate that and the challenge because it was. Yeah, uh, and I'll, you know, I also wanted to give you a hard one, Stez. <laughs> yeah, so which I appreciate. Stez, what did you what what are your what are your thoughts on the album, man? So when I first listened to it, I was just like, "This is just noise." <laughs> like I, I like I just couldn't wrap my head around it. But the more I listened to it, and then once I listened to it with the the movie to that, I ended up picking. It just kind of clicked for me. And then I started noticing, like you were saying, just like the little individual riffs, the individual like the intricacies of the the out of like the music and the the technical aspect that goes behind it. And I just, I don't know, it just suddenly clicked for me. I was like, oh shit, like I, I get it. Like this is like a '90s version of a composer creating, you know, like a giant fucking what, what do you call those? Like preludes or you know what, uh, the the what did like Bach and uh, Mozart create what, what are those called just like a masterwork like symphonies or, yeah Symphony. those type yeah. of things like that's what it felt like the whole album felt like this giant like orchestra type of, of a music where they each individually just had its own I don't know it, it yeah. just it's it not it's not necessarily a concept album no no but no. it is absolutely an album that was composed you know yes exactly it doesn't like necessarily flow from like each song, yeah. like, but it. But you can tell that the musicians had an idea or exactly. a mission mm-hmm. in their exactly. head, and at least that's what I hear when it. It mm-hmm. could be very stream of consciousness, and it is a very avant-garde record. So it is, yeah. It's it could have an aspect where maybe they were just in the studio and they wanted to see what came out of them. But to me, it sounds like they had this in their heads for a while. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that, you know. Um anybody that's played music to some extent, I think if they heard this, they would recognize that it sounds chaotic, but there's no way that you can just bash on instruments and it would sound like this. There is mm-hmm. it's so deliberate, it, it's so calculated. Yes. Al- although it might on the outside sound like a bunch of nonsense. I think it's extremely technical and very, very much. Um, I guess yeah, deliberate is probably the best word mm-hmm. I can think of, right? Like what we were talking about was like tight uh, jazz, you know, like super like free jazz, free jazz or technical jazz. It's just like we can't listen to it because it just sounds like nonsense. But for people who can actually be able to separate each and like know the what goes into each individual like instrument and then can I be able to separate it and then in divide, you know, like just judge it individually, which I can't do. I just hear a bunch of noises. I could a little bit on this one, just on Gorgut's cause it was each ind- instrument sounded so differently versus like jazz. It's like brass instruments kind of sound the same to me. I, like for me, it's like, it's harder to differentiate mm. that between like a bass guitar and regular guitar. But well, the first time I listened to it, I think I picked up Zach at the BART station mm. and like Mary was in the front and I remember literally telling him as he got in, I said, oh, fuck you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> you and, did. And, you and, definitely and, said those exact words. Yeah. And, <laughs> and just like you're saying about free jazz, and I think that's the exact analogy I used too, mm-hmm. was that's kind of how it sounded to me was I understand it. I appreciate it. I just don't jive with it. Sure. It was 
extremely hard for me to listen to. I think the first time I listened to it was on my camping trip. I was on my bike listening to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, think that's the best setting. Through Central Valley, and I'm just like trying to get to my destination, listening to this, and I'm like, for the love of God, what the fuck is going on? Now imagine if you were yeah. listening to it post-rapture in a post-apocalyptic world. Oh, <laughs> or pre-rapture. Or pre-rapture. It was, With uh, the, the knowledge that a rapture is about come, to yeah, come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, but I will say, uh, I listened to it, I think, a few nights ago after I watched the movie. Mm-hmm. I listened to, I, 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 I will admit, I didn't listen to the entire album again, but I listened to, I think, three or four of the songs. And I will say I'm, it's getting there. I still, I don't think it's one of those things I'm just going to put on. Yeah. Sure. But like uh, I said, man, it took me a long time to get really into that. this. I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate that honesty, right? Cause there's a lot of guys that say this fucking album sick, man. You just don't get it, bro. And it's like, and, and they don't, they're not honest with the fact that like, Hey, it, it takes time. It takes mm-hmm. a conscious effort to appreciate this or yeah. to really understand what's going on. So I really, I really uh, like the fact that you kind of just up up front was like, I'm. It took me a really long time to enjoy this. Yeah. So it gives me a little bit of hope, and I will say that after it's probably been a week and a half to two weeks since I first listened to it, and then the second kind of go, and it is getting a little bit there. I will say for some reason the second half of the album, <laughs> I enjoy more. I don't know if it gets more melodic at the second half, but. There's there more was, discernible riffs. In the I think that's what half. it is. There's just there's mm. a rhythm there, and there were some like there were some some riffs there that I really liked in the second half of the album. There's that one French. There's a song with like some French yeah. words in there. Love I the really dig more that song. Yeah. Um. So I I think it will get there, but god damn that initial initial listen was so difficult. Mm. And I knew that was gonna happen too. Mm, so yeah. I wanted to bring that reaction out of you too. That's cool. All right. Because. Honestly, like, so Obscura itself, the term has to do with a darkening of reality and kind of Mm. taking, like, warping what you know and making you recognize that there's an unknown beyond what we see in everyday life. Mm. It's kind of like psychedelic drugs or something. Right. You know, it definitely creates, it makes you confront something that you know is there and you don't necessarily want to confront, but you know that at some point mm. it's going to pop up. So I have a question about that because between the the two of you um, or the three of us, I guess mm-hmm. I, so I have not done psychedelic drugs, right? So uh, neither have I, if the government's listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm curious do you think because there are some, you're saying that there's some kind of similarity in terms of how to embrace this, right? Do you feel like I don't, I don't want to say does it help, but oh yeah, I was high as fuck when I listened to that. Album. <laughs> <laughs> I was tripping balls. <laughs> Would an album like this be easier to digest after an experience, after experiencing psychedelic drugs? Like like did you did you, did you listen to this album before you? I don't know. No. Tripped or no? No. I listened to it for the first time after I had oh, okay. many experiences with uh, and it was still difficult. entheogens. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, 
And also, this is not the album I would put on during a psychedelic experience. <laughs> yeah, just no, for the record. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> also, I'm, like my first time, I did not like it either. Like it, it was very, very hard for me to listen to the first time. Got it. Like I, I honestly, the first time I listened to it, like I don't think I listened through through it like back to back. Like I had to stop and do something else, and then like, go back to it just because like it, it was just hard. To it puts you in mood. Yeah, it puts you in a mood. It puts you in mood, like the last like and it. Sometimes necessitates a mood to really listen to as well. Mm-hmm. You have to be receptive. It, that's a great way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. W- like you said, that wasn't the right time for me to listen to no. it. And a lot of it was because I'm I'm going on an adventure. I'm excited. I'm about to go see some friends that yeah. I haven't seen in a long time to go do something that I haven't done in a while. And and then to put on an album like this, it was like, yeah, maybe put on what Queen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's essentially what I did was put on music like that afterwards because I think I think I got about a third way through the album and when I went to go fill up gas, I I popped my hair fo- uh, my headphones off and I was like shaking my you know my helmet. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta for the love of God. Like, um, that's that sounds actually really intense. Like yeah, to listen dude, to that album getting, while like riding a bike. Angry, yeah, like that sounds angry. incredibly intense. And that's where like you just like like you were saying earlier. That's one thing I do kind of appreciate. It was similar with the Sumac album mm. was it gets me in that vibe and I have to appreciate it when I'm in that mindset. Mood, yeah. Or in yeah. that mindset where just like Sumac, like I felt kind of dirty, like not dirty, but grimy. I don't know, grimy and like I wanted to just be kind of aggressive. Um, I have to embrace messiness and chaos. And when you're in a mind of like I'm on a trip I've got plans. <laughs> it's not the best. I yeah. just finished work where I just finished everything I needed to for the next like five days. Like you're, you're in this mindset of like boom, boom, boom. And then you listen to something that's this chaotic just did not jive with me. Yeah. This is absolutely, for me at least, an album that to put on when you want to zap yourself out of something. Not necessarily mm, an album yes. to put on when yes. you're like really... In the moments and to wanting to stay in, in that moment, mm-hmm. you know, it's like an es- escape. It's an more escape. of an escape for sure. An angry escape. That's cool, but I agree. I, I, I definitely because I think that's also everybody needs to get to that. Emo- like everybody needs to express that emotion at some point. You know, yeah. like everybody needs to escape to that part. Of yeah. yeah. The the thing is, and I try to, I try to uh, convey this with people sometimes, but you know. Life and emotions are a spectrum. You don't yes. have to be happy all the mm-hmm. time. For sure. It's not healthy to be happy all exactly. the time. Exactly. So if you come to grips with some of the darker sides of reality or like allow yourself to get into a space that in which you're angry or you're mm-hmm. listening to someone who is clearly going through some shit, yeah. this is a great album for that. Yeah. And it's also very spiritual. I agree. In a really weird way. And what I say about the movie, I think I've said that to you about yeah. the movie I picked. It's a, it's a spiritual movie. So that, I love that you picked that. That's amazing. So, so Zach, I, and I don't know, Stez, if you looked into the lyrics at all. And I, I, I actually read through a, 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 a quick, or, well, I did a quick read of the album yeah. lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because from what, I mean, obviously there's, there's, you know, like he's not going to be singing about unicorns, right? There's going to be a topic <laughs> when you're playing a music like this. There is some topics that you're naturally going to gravitate to. But I was surprised at what he did talk about mm-hmm. or they talked about. So um, you want to talk a little bit about that before we take a break and get to the movie choice that Stefan picked? Sure. So 
first of all, there is a good deal about religion, not necessarily directly, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of Latin words that actually yes. keep popping up in a lot of the songs in this album. And so I think what Luke LeMay was maybe trying to do with some of the lyrics was to kind of take some of the ideas or the feelings that Catholic priests were trying to put into their congregation and take use that as kind of a jumping off point to oh, cool. maybe <laughs> use the same type of tactics for people listening who, <laughs> in my mind, like, I guess this is a warped and kind of genius way of getting, like, very Christian people to like be receptive to this type of music and like thinking and shit. <laughs> but anyway, it, it definitely, it starts off with songs like earthly love and the song obscura where it's talking about kind of distorting reality. And it's, it starts off in a way where it talks about kind of everyday normal things in a very strange way. And then as the album goes on, it, it comes back to these things, but then also is talking about how a soul or a spirit has been warped to a point where it's being reborn in darkness or like being obscured. Yeah. And eventually, so the last song is an instrumental, but the song before it, there's a line that I cannot remember specifically right now, but it's basically talking about rebirth within the confines of like basically coming to grips with everything. Mm. So there's a lot more to the lyrics than what I've just said, yeah. but that's what resonates with me, I guess the most. No, that's, mm. that's really cool. And, and, and I know, mm. I know that's kind of that's the general vibe that I got when I was reading it is I don't know embrace the the distorted reality um which is why I think the title track which it's so fitting cuz the title track is the first song in the album yeah. mm -hmm. and it's the most crazy song I think on the album It probably is it's the wildest song on the album yeah and It's like the first one it's just in your face and just fucking bananas Yeah one so, of the main riffs cool. is a finger tapped, like yeah. kind of annoying, like beehive guitar line. And it pops up three <laughs> different times in the song. But man, it, yeah, it, it's almost like a litmus test, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like you listen to that song, and I, f I think a lot of people would be like, okay, fuck this. I'm never listening to this again. <laughs> but for me, at least, I remembered this specific line that was just so strange. Mm -hmm. And, it was just very intriguing, and I kind of had to listen to the rest of the album. Yeah. Man, what a freaking album! Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, fuck you, man. Yeah, <laughs> damn, that was it. that was that was like homework. It really was. Yeah. Like it was difficult because there's albums that you've picked or movies that you guys have picked, and it's just like, yeah, dude, of course you picked this. It's fucking awesome. This one definitely took work, <laughs> and I know Stez. <laughs> Had a really hard time trying to pick something for this. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll let Stez uh, talk about what he picked and why he picked it. Because um, it was not easy. Yeah, uh, I no, commend you 
for uh, for diving in this with me. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for giving me the challenge. All right, let's uh, crack a few more beers. I got a few. All right, we're back. Fresh beer. Gorgets. Gorgets. Well, I, I didn't open my beer. And, <laughs> oh, you didn't open? I haven't opened this one still. Sweet crack. crack. Get right. that crack in the mic. Whoosh. Ready to hear this? Whip it good. ASMR. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that's that That was delayed open. Diet Pepsi. <laughs> uh, Pepsi Zero. <laughs> Pepsi One. <laughs> Pepsi Uno. Pepsi Uno. Uh, to Kate. To Kate. Sir, Cerveza original. Cerveza original. All right, let's talk about. All right, yeah. <laughs> let's get back into it. All right, so Stez, what the fuck did you pick? So I picked a very eclectic movie from the seventies. Um, I wouldn't call it necessarily a horror movie, though. I would call it horror adjacent. Okay, so let's get into that really quick before we get into the movie, because you know this podcast is about an unofficial soundtrack to a horror movie, and you're saying that this isn't and when you look search for this movie, it's not a horror movie. No. So can you get into what is a horror adjacent and why do you think it f- still fits within this genre? So why I think it's horror adjacent is because it has influenced a lot of directors who have gone to do like horror movies. You oh. could just see that in like a lot of the shots, it, you know. And I think parts of it is very scary. Like um I don't want to get into it yet, but there's certain in the, yet, but the, there's certain scenes in the movie that are like frightening. And especially if you add the right soundtrack on top of it, which is why I picked this one, because I think it transforms the movie. Yeah. Which the movie I picked was a movie called Space Jam. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's called The Holy Mountain. It's called Fern Gully. I, I always get those two movies confused. Sorry. It's The Holy Mountain by Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky. It's, um, I don't, it's hard to describe what the plot is about <laughs> because it's very... So people complain. It's a that, lot of movies and one. Yeah. So people complain that this movie has no structure, but I totally 100% disagree with that. The movie has a very solid structure. What it doesn't have is a good story, like a, a very solid story. Because if you look at it, so it's about a drunk who is credited as called the fool. He, he was just calling the fool. Uh, he wakes up and then but meets the alchemist. Christ, but he's a Christ-like. We'll fool. get into we'll get into that later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the fool wakes up, meets the alchemist. Alchemist says, "I can promise you immortality. You and nine other people. They search for immortality by finding the holy mountain, and that's the whole movie." Yeah. Um, so this whole this, people call it structuralist, but I totally disagree with that because if you look at it, the first act, is introducing the character and the world. Like, this is the Jesus-like Christ figure. This is the fool. And this is the world that he's in. It's fucking weird. There's tourists. There's uh, these rich people being parted in their knees by this militia. This militias are raping tourists. There are little kids dressed, you know, naked. Like filming throwing rock. Yeah, Horny exactly. toads are getting blown, blown up. up. So it's just setting this tone of, like, this is the world, and it's fucking weird. And then you get an act two where he meets the alchemist, and it's like, all right, now here are... Your disciples, essentially. These are the people that you're going to find immortality with. And then it introduces them. And that's the second act. where He says they're all horrible people. Which, again, gets to the religious aspect with Jesus never surrounded himself with good people. He always surrounded himself with prostitutes and uh, debt collectors and tax collectors, right? It was never good people. So that's like... Because people always wonder, why did he choose the nine people for the planets to choose immortality? These are terrible people. They're fucking warmongers. They're 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 pedophiles. They're creepy people. They're you yeah. know they're not good people. But part of that is because 
part of the message is that you can find redemption, right? But mm-hmm. and then he gets to the third act, which is this group of people going going to the holy mountain and them trying to find it, and then they find it, and then you and get then, to the and end. And then the ending was just fucking stupid. So, uh, <laughs> but why I ch- chose this album? But yeah, the ending Not we can get. Yeah, the ending. No, no, we'll, we'll get to. But why I chose the movie for this album oh, okay. was no, you did correct me there. <laughs> was because I think they have a lot of similarities and not necessarily their subject matter but in sense of i don't know how to represent how to say this properly but like what they represent or what they're not what saying. they're trying to get across yeah exactly or yeah, yeah. exactly and the message right or the mood or the mood it's because yeah. what they're trying to say is not like don't listen to what we're saying just feel how we're trying to make you feel right it's yeah. not it's nothing mm. like i think when you look when i was looking at the lyrics i was like yeah the lyrics make sense but it's not important yeah, it's about how it makes you feel, and that's the same thing with the dialogue in this movie. It's like the dialogue. I didn't even like the first time when I listened with the album. I totally listened without sound, and it totally worked because it was just the dialogue isn't necessarily important. It's just about how the th- and you can a lot of it's so much visual, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think you don't the first that. third of the movie is no was, dialogue. It wasn't even dialogue. It was just like sounds. Yeah, yeah, also, and a lot of it's voiced over too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it's a dub movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard to find the actual like yeah. language movie, but. Yeah. It's usually always dubbed, and the the music for this movie I really like. I do like in the general music. too. It's it's all over the place, it but is. I really like it. But I think it's it sets the tone for the story, and that's or for the movie. Yeah, and that's why I definitely picked this album because it's. I don't know. So so real quick, mm-hmm. going back on what you were just saying. So personally, when I listen to music, I first and foremost listen to the music, the sounds and everything and lyrics kind of come afterwards. Mm. And, um, that's one of the reasons that this podcast has been really interesting to me Mm -hmm. because it makes me go back and decipher a lot of the lyrics for a lot of music that I've been listening to for sometimes a really long time and approach it in a very different way. But with that in mind, what you were saying about how the lyrics are there, the dialogue is there, but it's not necessarily trying to like sway you one way or another. It's just kind of there for maybe the structure mm-hmm. or to make you realize, oh, I'm watching a movie or I'm listening to an album and it necessitates these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I found that really interesting because, yeah, no, what you're saying, it's, because we were saying, like, we're quoting the movie. The movie is quotable, but none of the quotes are related to the movie, right? And, like, one of my favorite quotes is, like, oh, I can traverse the holy mountain horizontally. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, one of the best lines in the movie. And it's comedic. It's a comedic line. It has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. And so I think that also adds to that point. But Yeah, it's... In- Shit like that is really interesting because it's kind of like the Bible in that way. Yeah. Because the Bible is kind of set up that way where there are maybe like morals that come across, but it's in the midst of these very convoluted stories. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get like a line like you get in the Holy Mountain, like, oh, our bees make honey, but your flies make shit. <laughs> <laughs> Or my sh- was it my chauffeur is a not a very desirable lover. <laughs> yeah, 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 not, yeah. With that whole part where you're yeah. like fucking this giant robot vagina or something. Yeah, yep. so I love it. It's so great. Jupiter. So, or go ahead, sis. Uh, so the, again, why I picked the album? Because like, so when I listened to the album with the movie, or sorry, why I picked the movie is I felt that the music really brought out a certain creepiness 
and a certain amount of horror that it's actually there in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that's so played very lowly, you know, played very down. And I think when you add change the soundtrack, it definitely amps that up. Like there's certain scenes like him, uh, the fool being surrounded by the plaster, the, the cat, you know, yeah. like and him just screaming his head off. Yep. Um, certain scenes during the, the when he's introducing the, the the planets, it just like feels like yes. this weird music video, Absolutely. you know. And then the ending with it feels the, like a Limp Biscuit. Yeah, music video exactly, exactly. And then the uh, which I'll come back to in a second, but the uh, ending where they're walking through the field about to approach the holy mountain, they're mm-hmm. each getting these visions of like. I don't know if it's the worst fears or like how they're gonna die. I don't yeah. know. You can read into what whatever you can, but like if you change the soundtrack to that, it becomes fucking scary until you get to the tiger tits. But it right. gets very fucking like it's just like what the fuck am I watching? You know, like it, it gets experimental almost. But um, what what was I saying? I was gonna get back to the. Well, the one thing I do want to get back to is the religious aspect, too, because I think there's a lot of Christianity in the Catholicism, especially because um, it's based in Mexico. It's filmed oh, in Mexico. Yeah. So there's a lot there's of Catholicism. so much religious subtext in this movie. But it's I don't think funny. it's just Christianity. A lot of right. he's taken a lot from Eastern culture and just a lot of like Hinduism. He's just approached all of it. And I think that's what also what he's trying to say in his message is that like in the movie, it's like you don't have to understand and practice these religions to take their message or to mm. take to learn from them you know like yeah it's not about like what you learn from those religions it's about how they make you feel do you feel enlightened does it make you feel a little bit happier or comfortable you know it's not necessarily more about like the intellectual morality and it's more about the spiritual mm. yeah know. that makes me think of the end of the movie where the alchemist brings these people right before they're supposed to confront these immortals that they're going to rob and like take their secrets Mm -hmm. and everything. And he's like, wait here, meditate for three hours. I'll be back. (laughs) And that's not necessarily a Christian ideal, Mm -hmm. but he's, you know, basically putting these people in a situation and making them get in a headspace only for them to go to this table and realize that there is nobody there and mm-hmm, the exactly. immortals are just fake <laughs> and empty yeah cadavers. yep and eventually at the end of the movie you see the alchemist as Jodorowsky and he's <laughs> zoom back camera and he breaks the third wall and is like we are in a film yeah and i think what he's trying to say there is just like stop dissecting my shit <laughs> it's yeah, like at the his, end of the day this doesn't matter you know like you take what you you take from it like it doesn't matter what i think or what my intentions are all that matters is what you take from it and then that's just trying but to say. i think but i think that's why i have a such a hard time with this movie is mm. because i'm used to film as a i don't know i'm not used to film necessarily as an art form anymore right right i'm used to film as a storytelling medium yeah so these types of movies i think i have a hard time just enjoying because it's completely out of my element right like music to some extent it's a little bit easier to swallow because I can understand, like, like a lot of times I, I listen to music. It's not because I want to hear a story. It's not because I want to, uh, to 
to get to a certain place necessarily, to right? Get, get a narrative experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to get a narrative experience. Exactly. A lot of the times when I listen to music, it's to evoke an emotion. It's to it's to make me think about something. It's it's to make me feel. So it's a lot easier for that type of art form to take me there. When I look at, because I think one of the the artists that you guys compared this director to is Salvador Dali, mm, and I fucking love his artwork. And I think part of it is. Because it's a medium that I'm very used to it being a an art form that subversive. takes you to that place. Mm-hmm. And it's subversive. It's escapist. It's It gets you into a different headspace than necessarily narrative-based. But with film, to me, it's so story-driven that this type of movie I just have a hard time enjoying. Because it's completely different than what... Right. I'm used to seeing and and quite frankly it's because that's not what I watch film for right, right. when right, I watch right, film right. it's I want to be told a story and be conveyed a certain way and this basically told me at the very end of the movie yeah well uh, it's just a movie so go fuck yourself and I'm like well what the fuck did I just watch <laughs> so it, 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 it to me is very similar to like well, I don't know I say similar but it's yeah, I guess it's similar to like you know how people rap, uh, call like Marvel movies like a roller coaster. Yeah, uh, it's like you know you don't really watch it for the it's just like a fun ride. Yeah, this movie is not say a roller coaster, but like an art school students version of a roller coaster, <laughs> where it's like you don't go there for like the thrills, but you just go there to see weird fucking shit. So, and at the yeah, end of it, there's you're like, so much to unpack. The fucking visuals is what makes gets so me. So I will say that I, I I will agree with that. I think the visuals it's absolutely is amazing, gripping, like. I mean, I mean, Mary wasn't. She didn't even know what I was watching. Mm-hmm. But the moment she saw what was on screen, she basically stopped and she watched it for about 20, 30 minutes, just because it was so crazy. The Rainbow Room. Oh my god. Rainbow Room. Oh my god. The I mean, set just, design just is fucking incredible. The, the amount of flies. Fly. Oh that god. Was on face. Like, there's just visuals that you don't the see. Flower in the hand. Like, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And and so I will say that as a as an as a visual art form, very. Uh, very appealing. Yes. But I think it all just, to me, the, the biggest gripe with it is it all goes back to, like you said, there's plenty of structure. There's plenty of good content. But for me, I think the biggest takeaway is the story. It's just like, there really is no story mm-hmm. and the story isn't, isn't important. It is important. There's so many other messages underlying. The, yes, like, exactly. The story. The message is more important than the story. Yeah. So I, I mean, Right off the bat, the movie starts, and I could see exactly why you picked it because it starts off fucking crazy. The just two like bald chick, the two bald ch- or chicks getting bald uh, and shaved yep, in the head. Yeah, yeah. So that apparently, whole opening credit was fucking crazy, and I and they never showed up ever again. So apparently, no, they do where in yeah. Mars when yeah. you're oh, in Mars. Right, 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 so she apparently she's sleeping with the yeah, two of them. Yodor Asli only found those two because those two wanted a spiritual experience. So he like found them and then and filmed that scene because it was just like they, he the scene is a Japanese tea um like um procedure ceremony? like sac- yeah. ceremony yeah so it's like based off a very ancient Japanese tea ceremony so he like does all that stuff but and then starts films yeah and then films so, doing it it's so right off the bat movie is crazy out. yeah their titties are flying out they're getting their heads shaved I'm like okay cool I'm I'm in it it's like I could see why Stez picked it. And then it cuts to Jesus with fly on his face and that guy with no limbs like smoking a cigarette. So great. And then what really got me when I realized that the movie is fucking bananas, when I saw 30 green penises (laughs) of children like chasing the guy around. I was like, what the fuck? Immediately when I saw that, I was like, 
Okay, I'm in. I'm in for a fucking ride. So that's funny you mentioned because that's the moment when I was listening to the album, and watching the movie, because that's right when Obscura ends and the second song starts. Oh. It's right when the kids. So it's like a perfect like act break almost, so and it just kicks weird, in the second. And I was like, man. oh shit, I think I picked the right movie for this. And, and, whole, and I was like, into, and I was totally in the whole tourist thing with the militia, the the sex scene with the tourists, the the it just got crazy. Military men in the gas mask dancing with like yep. the the whatever the socialites or whatever yeah. they were. That was like. It's so, just weird imagery. So I the first it. act of the movie, I felt I was okay with because I've honestly viewed it as, oh, okay, it's a film version of a visual art form. So I felt like the first act of the movie, I was kind of okay with. Okay, it's crazy, but there's so many amazing visuals. It There's a lot of religious undertones, mm-hmm. a lot of political undertones. Like, okay, okay, it's commentary. It's an art. I'm, I'm cool with the first third. It's when it got into the second act and then the third act is when i started going all right i don't I just, as a movie i just can't jive with this because one the plot completely just changes and then the tone completely changes and then just a lot of bullshit lines in my opinion where i'm just like what the fuck like what are you even saying see your excrement is gold or something and i was like that's your funny. excrement you can be made into gold <laughs> that's funny <laughs> It just reminds me of my fucking friends that were art students. Like, this movie was a giant, like, I just imagined me visiting my buddy Dan at Ringling Art College and meeting all of his (laughs) crazy-ass art friends. And I was just like, this is is what they would have made if they made a movie. Just a bunch of bullshit and them bullshitting about their bullshit and trying to say why it's, 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 you know, it's conveying something extremely extravagant right and it has so much context and i'm like to me as a lay person it just seems so i don't know why but it felt it felt kind of inauthentic it was weird it's funny that you say that that's where it lost you because that's where it actually got the movie got me the first time i watched it because it, the, like the first time i watched it the first time i was like okay it's interesting but it's just like i've seen surreal movies before yeah. this is nothing new but then once it comes to the second act and it starts doing this introduction of these characters i was just like oh I'm, fuck i'm in like oh this is mercury you know and this is uh, venus and this is mars and they started introducing all these characters in this weird way i was just like what the fuck is this movie i thought i had it figured out and now i don't and that's mm-hmm. when it gripped me because i didn't understand because it was subversive and because mm-hmm. it's so for me it was very original so like cool. once the fucking spinning scene when it go the camera goes to the ceiling and then the floor starts spinning yep. around i was like what the actual fuck am I watching? This so, is incredible. Yeah, the, okay. I think you're right. Now that you talk about that, I actually really like that. Like when they're introducing each character because mm-hmm. it was really cool. Uh, so I, I'll take that back. I think my biggest gripe is with the third act. Is, <laughs> it's them going to the mountain that was completely pointless and nothing like tangible happens in any part of the third act. Again, that's also what it got me too because I thought it was going to be this like typical story where they get to the holy mountain, they have to pass these tests and then it turns out maybe the guy is a bad guy, you know, like a very traditional Just, way. But the way they're doing it, it was like they got to this place where it was a bunch of people kind of conning uh, like just doing drugs or selling stuff based off on the whole mountain. Yeah, yeah. And which is also very realistic to like what people usually do oh, nowadays. So I, just, I thought I was... Very interesting. Just, the third act made it feel like you're totally right. Because now, now that I think about more about the second act, you're right. I, I did enjoy it. Obviously, didn't necessarily fit well with the first, in my opinion. But I could see I, I enjoyed both. It really was a third act where I lost it, and or I got lost. And it honestly, the third act just felt like a giant, like Monty Python sketch. 
But, <laughs> okay, that but I can kind of see. It felt that like a Monty <laughs> Python sketch that took itself seriously. And I think that's why I was like, dude, what is, like, what? And then with the whole, like, breaking the, the, the fourth, thir- third wall or whatever. Fourth wall, yeah. Fourth, fourth wall, wall or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, ugh, push back. I was like, is this a Monty Python <laughs> sketch? Like, this feels like a Monty Python that's sketch. Funny. That's really I don't, funny. I don't know. It's really the third act. So, that I not know. to discredit your opinion because you're totally valid for that. Did you end up listening to the album while watching the movie though? Because no, I think I that get a chance. That, to that do thing that. I think helps adds a lot. To, like it, ch- so, it definitely def- changes the tone. No, that's a good point. So you talked about the movie. I kind of talked about my personal opinions about it. So Zach. What did you think about the choice between the two? Because I know you've seen the movie before. Or you obviously picked this album. So what did you think about this pick? I loved it. Hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure yeah. how you were going to feel about no, it. That's awesome. I loved it. because Okay, so listening to y'all talk for the last 10 minutes, basically. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I've been thinking. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. No, you um, it's, been, it's, it's been making me think about film as a medium in itself. Mm-hmm. And with music and with painting, specifically like when we were talking about Salvador Dali's paintings mm. and when we, when you just take any type of music as it is, you are not as passive when you're consuming these things. So with music, Very true. Very you, true. there's no visual aspect mm-hmm. to it. Everything that you're receiving is all auditory and whatever comes after that is whatever you create in your mind. Yes. With Way paintings... Everything that you are consuming is visual. And for the most part, it's just one image. Mm -hmm. Or in a lot of multimedia now, you can have something that's a moving image. Or it's a collection of words. Or a a collection of images or a triptych or 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 something. Or a, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or a meme. Or a meme. Uh, And it'll tell you exactly what to think at that point. But (laughs) the thing that makes films so hard to pull off is that you, it's harder to be passive. It's so much harder to be passive because you're getting moving images coming at you as well as sound. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, a soundtrack Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And so, yes, you are empowered to feel a certain way and like have independent thoughts as a result of seeing this thing. But at the same time, it's presented to you in a much more upfront way. And commercial way. In a like, commercial because like yeah. the director might not have hand on his hands on everything part of the project, right? That's like, true. He might not touch the sound and or the. One of the reasons I love Holy Mountain is because Alejandro Jodorowsky clearly has so much control over this movie, exactly. And he made the exact type of movie that he wanted to mm-hmm. make, be it to the fault or to the detriment or to the unenjoyment of anybody watching it. He did what he wanted to do, and I really appreciate that him for that. And I feel the exact same way about Obscura by Gorguts. Yes. So much. Yes. They fucking sat on this album for like five years mm. because they didn't want to change it. They didn't compromise, yes. and they didn't, they didn't basically like water it down in order to get signed by a record label. They That's waited what, it out, and it fucking became one of the most revered death metal albums of all time. Mm-hmm. And The Holy Mountain is now revered exactly. as one of the most mm-hmm. notorious movies of all time. That's one of the reasons why I picked it, because they're both movies that were critically placed when they came out, but now have become not necessarily uh, obscure, uh, okay. uh-huh. uh, but not necessarily obscure, but like they've become kind of like 
they're not mainstream anymore, right? Like Gorguts and Yodorowsky, most normal people want to know there's those names. Right. But they've become so influential that they've become kind of, obs- you know, it's yeah. the Seinfeld is it, Seinfeld sucks uh, um, thing <laughs> where like they've become so influential that the the source product have just now seems worse and well, I'm going to say worse, but they just kind of gotten more obscure. Yeah. So like, I don't know, that's one of the reasons I picked it because they're mm-hmm. both so creatively like free, you know, free of reins or whatsoever. Yeah. And then they're both just so influential, but because they're also so free, like creatively, they're also super technical, even in like the movie, yeah. like the the cinematography is like incredibly technical. Like yeah. they're doing so many long shots, so many zoom ins and zoom outs, which also adds to the music video feels. Like a lot of like totally. the, the pan ins and out, it just like adds this melodic like yeah. feel to the whole movie, and yeah, and the same thing with the whole music is just like it's so fucking technical. Each individual instrument is doing their own thing. But they're somehow adding to this giant orchestra, and it's yeah, it's very. They're kind of creating this big fucking robot that you don't know if yeah. it's going to smash everything <laughs> or just die in front of you. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate the picks. Uh, they were challenging. Um, fuck both of you. <laughs> I, I had a really hard time with both of these works of art, um, but I really I I. But honestly, I. I'm glad that we're doing this podcast for the exact reason that we talked about in the first episode, and that's to kind of get people to to try out different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I didn't enjoy Holy Mountain, at least after we've talked about it, I do have a a, a newfound appreciation for it, and and not just to like blow smoke up anybody's ass, but but realistically, just even myself talking about the movie, I've realized that there's things that I've really enjoyed and there's things that are extremely memorable about it um which is which is valuable in, in itself um and i'm really glad that zach found it as a good fit yeah as, a, as an unofficial totally. soundtrack so pretty tight um so we're all kind of short for time so what i would say is you know when when this gets posted um we'll probably put a link for an email or something uh please let us know if you want us to do more with this, these types of work of art where it's a little bit more obscure um, and less of the mainstream stuff because we'll, we'll definitely feel free to dive a little bit more into that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks guys. And also fuck you at the same exact time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So this week, I think Stez, you get to pick something Shit. For, for Zach uh, before we sign out. So uh, what, do you, what do you got Hold on the books for us? Before we do that, yeah. Can we do recommendations? Oh, 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 yes. Recommendations. If you liked both of these works of art, oh, okay. what do you recommend that other people listen to? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if you like gore guts, there's honestly a lot of modern death metal bands out there who are kind of doing similar things to them. One of my favorites is probably Ulcerate. They just put out a new album this year that, in my opinion, is fantastic imperial triumphant who is from new york and they're absolutely batshit <laughs> but also if you're into this type of music go back and listen to modern classical like pindarecki edgard vares Zanakis, because it's all very discordant mm-hmm. and but at the same time it will make you feel a lot of things that maybe you didn't know you could feel before <laughs> that's good for quarantine baby oh yeah 
Stez, what do you what do you got for people that might like Holy Holy Mountain? Um, um, I just recommend like any Yodorovsky film. Uh, <laughs> El Topo is a pretty good one. That was his first movie, like his big pr- production movie. Um, it was pretty well known when it came out. The Beatles, like partly because the Beatles came out and praised it. So actually, I, don't, I didn't get to mention this, but um, so when El Topo came out and it got popular. George Harrison and like um, John Lennon got contact with Yodorowsky and were like, "Hey, we want to produce help produce your next movie, whatever, whatever wow. blah blah blah." And then George Harrison was like, "I really want to be in your next movie." So he was going to play the fool originally, wow. but then he read about the butthole washing scene and he was like, eh, "Can we not do that? Maybe get a double?" And then oh Yodorowsky my god, was- I totally forgot about that scene. <laughs> Mary and I were like, "We're like, oh, how weird is it to get washed by somebody and, like on camera?" And we were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Oh, and then it switches exactly to the mm-hmm. butthole washing. We're like, oh yeah, that's definitely uncomfortable. Yeah, Yorosi yeah. was like, no, I am not. Like, you have to do it. I can't. You can't do like oh, another. Like I. And so George Harrison ends up stepping out because of that. And then there's like a uh, commentary years later on where Yorosi was like, yeah, we probably could have used a double. It probably would have helped us <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> But he was so great. driven. Exactly. He needed his fucking actor what to an, be there. I mean, that goes he, back to what you yeah. were saying, right? He had full creative control. You know, yeah, everything exactly. was intentional. If that fucking artist. actor did not get his butthole mm-hmm. cleaned up, then who's to say that he would have been exactly. the character that we saw? On film? 100%. All the other directors I would uh, recommend, obviously, a big one, David Lynch. You know, just don't watch yeah. his movie on the phone. <laughs> but uh, David Lynch. Guy Medan. There's a lot of surrealist um, uh, mm-hmm. people you can find out there. Big one modern day though is the guy who actually he's become like his spiritual. I don't know, like his, his, like a successor or anything, but like he's actually gotten tarot card readings from Yodorovsky and is one of the only few people. He was in the um, the Yodorovsky Dune documentary. He's one of the few people that Yodorovsky sat down and actually told them the whole story. It's uh, Nicholas Wendin uh, Refn. Oh, I you were Oh, that's also Kanye as well. He met Kanye, which is great. But Eric Andre. Eric Andre as well. But uh, yeah, Nicholas Winden Refn, he did Drive and a whole bunch of other oh, movies. Yeah. Uh, he's, okay. he's a great fucking director. Okay. And I think his influence comes because he's very visual. And I think that's where yes, his Yodorowsky visual director, influence yeah. comes from. I was from. thinking like Enter the Void. Oh, Oscar. Kind of uh, what's his name? Gaspar uh, Noe. Gaspar Noe, yeah. yeah. People but hate climax. his shit. Yeah, that's actually very good. That's uh, more... Uh, uh, I really, I really yeah, liked it. Actually... Ap- so the first time I saw Holy Mountain was right after I saw Enter the Enter Void. Void. Yeah, and okay. we did a double feature, Enter the Void and then Holy Mountain. Yikes. Yeah, that's, it was uh, it was quite a night. Enter the Void has a scene where you see a penis uh, Going penetrating in the pussy. vagina and just inseminating in life. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's a weird fucking movie. Yeah, you would also hate this movie. Yeah, you would not yeah, like Enter the yeah, Void. Yeah, it sounds... Or Climax, which is what I'm recommending. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Steph. Well, there's a lot of lists. Uh, there's a lot in that list. Uh, but what are we picking? What do you got next? next so I, I can't remember the name of the director, but the movie is Possession. It stars Sam Neill. And I think I've mentioned it to both of you before. Ooh, Sam Neill. A very scrawny Sam Neill. But uh, Possession, Sam 1991, Neil. I believe. Oh, um, shit. So this is like in the mouth of badness, Sam This Neil. is, yeah, like that. And uh, oh, 1981, excuse me. So it's even before that. Oh, shit. Yeah. And this okay. is bur- like. Um, like Berlin Wall era of Germany. It takes place in there. So you Fuck. see you see the Berlin Wall in the whole movie. Like it's a huge So it's on Andre Zulowski is the he he doesn't really do American movie. He's a foreign movie director. And Possession was like his big American movie. Mm. And it's it's a movie. <laughs> like Holy Mountain is like 
God weird damn. possession is yeah 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 it's it definitely it's not weird it's like it's terrifyingly weird can you guys pick like paranormal activity or something no no that's not like, you choose you chose the wrong people <laughs> for like, the like if you Lin- wanted those type of movie oh yeah let's do lincoln park i'm doing watch <laughs> the grudge <laughs> insidious part two god damn it All right, can well, we watch uh, witches next week <laughs> so uh, it sounds like the pick or the challenge for Zach is possession by yeah. Andres Zlowski. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering the, the but Andrea Andrea Andre, sure. So possession by from 1981. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, that's yeah. Right. That's, 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 there's a J at the Polish end. Name. Yeah, there's a Andres, J at the end. Andre, I think, I think it's probably Andre. Yeah, Zulowski. So uh, or Zulowski. I guess it depends on how you say it. Anyway, mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So, it was a great yeah. fucking movie. I love this movie. <laughs> so uh, we'll check out Possession in the next week or so. No idea and, what it's about. Uh, we'll see exactly what Zach picks for that. Uh, Can't so wait. Super excited for this. Also, not that excited for this, considering how the last <laughs> podcast went. You're, not last gonna like the You're definitely not going to like the movie. God damn it. Hopefully like We're the getting into the dregs of I this know, podcast for you. This is one actually what I wanted to recommend for a while. So. All right. Well, uh, well, thanks. Great episode, guys. Before we sign off, Stez, why don't you pull up our fan mail? Uh, well, no fan you, mail this week, but we got? do have a sponsor. Oh, oh, that's right. It's yeah. from this great new subscription service. So it's called Mailbox. And what it does is it gathers your mail monthly and delivers it to your door. <laughs> so it, it, it just gathers your mail and then for a month. So you don't get it for a month and then you get it at the end of the month. So if you have a bill that was due like two weeks later, so you're, you're screwed. Nice. But at least you get the suspense of it all. And you don't have to deal with the pesky mailman and your dog Who's barking full of at the coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. So this is a very uh, great and uh, a very forwarding uh, yes, type we're, of forward thinking innovation uh, here. Service. And um, nothing, so, smell, uh, no, nothing spells <laughs> innovation like... Like ignoring uh, reality. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore reality. Just for and a, and a monthly subscription. Low cost, five ninety nine. You can save, t- uh, get free shipping if you use our um, pr- uh, personal promo code. Well, let me pull it up. It's one eight hundred six nine six nine two RD. It's a personal code for uh, the unofficial podcast. Okay. All right. Promo code. We're we're get, digging deep into this one. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, fuck mailbox. <laughs> Sounds like wow. a terrible laugh. We just lost our subscription. <laughs> Don't do th- All right. We're going to get a new sponsorship next week thing. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, gents. And we're going to let uh, we're going to let an awesome band close us out as always. And thank you to A Cosmonauts Ruin. Till next time. Rock on. Watch Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs>